Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. One of my most loved and hated places on the planet is a farmer's market. I love it for so many reasons, but there are just some aspects of it that just drive me crazy. And in San Diego, we have so many incredible farmer's markets all over the city every different day. But the king of them all, at least to our family, is the Little Italy Farmer's Market. It's downtown. It's beautiful. Man, it is, it, I feel so fancy when I'm there, right? Like, I feel like I should be wearing a scarf and drinking something really fancy. Like, it, it's just an amazingly beautiful place with incredible vendors, and it's, it's just so, so special. But, and it is a big but, it is a madhouse. I mean, there are so many people. There's Everything happened and there's restaurants going on right next to it. It's just, it's overwhelming at times. And there hasn't been a single time that I've been to the Little Italy Farmer's Market that I haven't had someone mean mug me because of my child. Not because they were doing anything, but just because I had a child. Like there's there's a whole demographic of people who look down on and frown upon me because I have a child. But normally that person is usually carrying like a 50 pound poodle dressed up like Picasso in a baby sling. And I'm like, oh, so you gonna be the one. You wanna be the one to judge me because I had a child. It's just weird, I don't know. There's some amazing people there, but there are some weirdos too that make no sense. But we love the farmer's market because my family loves food. We are the definition of foodies. We love to make food. We love to buy food. We love to eat food. We love to try all kinds of different foods. I mean, I grew up in a restaurant industry, so my whole life has been marked by food. And we've passed this tradition on to our kids as well because it's important. We want them to understand the value of it. But we may have gone too far because Audrey is four now and she, she's literally like smelling fruit and vegetables for their ripeness. I'm pretty sure the other day she was holding a LaCroix and I saw her kind of like swirl it around. I'm like, what are we doing? We, what have we done as parents? You are far too bougie. You give my girls a block of bougie cheese and they are over the moon, right? Like we're passing on these traditions, but maybe we passed on a little bit too much too early. But if you've ever been to a farmer's market, there's one thing that's always true. There's always a juice lady. There's always that lady that has every version of juices you can imagine. They're extravagant and they're crazy and they're delicious and there's some that are mixtures of fruit that you've never heard of and there's some that are green and it looks like I will never ever drink that. I don't know what you put in that. But it's healthy, it's healthy, right? But it's organic and it's, it's amazing. The fruit lady knows all. But there's something that they'll all tell you. Look at this truth on the screen. The health of the tree determines the health of the fruit. 
The health of the tree determines the health of the fruit. And that's, honestly, that's the appeal of going to a farmer's market. Because you get to hear the stories of their orchards, and you get to hear the stories of how they started their businesses, and, and how this piece of land was passed down from generation to generation, and especially here in California, where, I mean, land is of premium. So these farmers have these incredible spaces that they're growing incredible fruit foods and fruits and, and all of this. And so, like, you get to hear the love and the passion that they put into growing these things. And it's just, I don't know, it just does something for you to know, like, you're supporting a family that's been a, a farmer for generations. Like, it's, it's the appeal of it all. But they understand that the fruit that they're producing, the product that they're selling, it's all determined by how well they take care of the tree, of what's actually growing the fruit. And as we kick off this series... I think there's a lot that you and I need to understand about our fruit. And here's the challenge. How healthy is the fruit that you're producing? A better question is, how healthy is the tree that's producing it? This whole series is about the fruit that we're producing. And I want to dig into that deeper each week. Because you see, the, the Bible talks about fruit a lot. Actually, in the New Testament alone, in the back half of the Bible, the part where we see Jesus walking around, the word fruit or fruitful is actually used over 66 times. Jesus uses it in his stories, in his parables, in his explanation of our relationship with God. He, he talks about fruit very often. And so it's an important conversation for us. Whether or not you feel like you have a green thumb or you don't, the reality is fruit is a big deal in our lives it, because it was a big deal to our Savior. Actually, in John 15, starting in verse 12, Jesus talks about this. And this is an important passage for us as we get started today. And I want, I want to read the message version. I really like this version of it. It says this, I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way that I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. What a challenge. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Uh, someday soon I'm going to unpack that for you because that is a huge statement that Jesus is making. Hey, I don't call you servants. You're not these just followers of mine that I'm just going, rah, 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 here's a, he says, no, 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 no. I don't call you servants. I call you friends because I'm, I'm showing you what I'm thinking. I'm unveiling the plan. You're not just blindly following. I'm sorry, I'm going to get on this. I, I need to move on. But it's so good what Jesus is saying there. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. Here's the key for us. I want you to li listen up to this part. Verse 16. You didn't choose me, remember. I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. Fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command. Love one another. Look at this truth on the screen. 
Spiritual fruit is an expression of what's happening in a person's spirit or heart. The fruit that you are producing, it's an expression of what's really going on on the inside, right? It's the expression of the health of the tree, the health of your heart, the health of your mind, the health of your spirit. It's why Jesus tells us, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. We, when we love God with every area of our heart, it, it keeps it healthy, our mind, our soul, our spirit. So Jesus was saying, you're going to produce fruit. I love that. You will bear fruit, but I want you to produce fruit that won't spoil. You see, the, the fruits of our lives, it's expressed in our actions, in our thoughts, in our habits, in our attitude, in the way we treat people, the way we treat ourselves. The fruit of our lives, it's evident. People can see it. It's what we do. It's how we live. It's how we think. It's how we respond. That's where we see the fruit of what's going on on the inside. But there's something that's really important to understand. This isn't really optional. We all produce fruit. This isn't something where you just get to pick and choose, oh, this area of my life. No, 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 no. It's gonna come out. There is going to be a byproduct of what's going on the inside, right? There's a byproduct of what's going there. Whether or not you are like a superstar Jesus follower, or whether you're an atheist, or anywhere in between those two, you will produce fruit. It's not really debatable. Whether or not you call it fruit, whether you call it energy, whether you call it karma, whether you call it fate, destiny, whatever you want to describe it as, Jesus describes it as fruit. And what it is, it's, it's an expression. It's a byproduct of what's going on inside your heart. So the big question is, how healthy is the fruit that you're producing? How healthy is it? Is it, is it something that's healthy and beneficial, that's encouraging, that's inspiring, that's, that is lifting people up? Is it life-giving? Or is the fruit that you're producing, if you're just honest, if you just pull back the curtain, again, whether you believe Jesus is who he says he is, whether you're, you're in the beginning of your faith journey, just pull back the curtain. Look at the fruit of your life. Is your life producing things? Maybe for you, it's not positive. Maybe when you walk into the room or you walk into a situation, it doesn't always get better. It feels a little more dramatic. It feels like it's full of tension. It feels like it's it's full of just sandpaper on flesh, right? Like just, ah, everything is just dragging. It's so painful. It's so frustrating. Is the fruit that you're producing hurtful? Is it self-centered? Maybe for some of you, is the fruit that you're producing, is it self-sabotaging? That the byproduct of what's going on on the inside is every time you start to make progress to become healthy, you do something that messes it up. 
you say something, you go somewhere, you hang out with this person, you, you do something and it just spirals you out of control again. And it just feels like you can't get ahead. The byproduct of your life is not what you hoped it would be. When you wake up in the morning, when you lay your head down at night, the byproduct of your life isn't what you hoped it would be. That's what this series is all about. The Apostle Paul, the famous writer in, in the New Testament, he unpacks the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, the fruit that comes from a life that's unified and connected with God. He, he describes it in, in some really important ways. And if you've ever been in church, if you've gone to Sunday school, if you've been around church in any capacity, you've heard of these fruits of the Spirit. And, and it's important for us to recognize them and the part that they play in our lives. So let's check it out. It's in Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love that line. I've always loved that line in there, that there's no law against these things. But as I dug in a little bit deeper and, and got some more context as you read that whole passage, the reason why Paul says that is, is Paul is, is coming off several paragraphs where he's talking about the sinful nature. He's, he's trying to help them understand what Jesus was trying to do in their lives, why he was calling us to step away from things that would hurt us and and damage our lives and he's going through this whole list of of sins and things that are, are from our sinful nature and things that that hold us back from the future that God wants us to have things that were common for all of us that we wouldn't necessarily always call sin but he was saying hey these are things that pull you away from God but on the other hand let me help you out these are the things, these are the fruits that the Holy Spirit just, it produces within you, right? That's, that's what he's trying to explain here. He's saying, if you, wanna, if, <laughs> if you want to not have to stress over the do's and don'ts and, and worrying about those things, lean into the Holy Spirit, lean into Jesus, lean into what he says. And when you do that, it will produce these kinds of fruits. This will be the byproduct of your life. There is no law against these things. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to get in trouble when you're producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Like no one's going to be mad at you for producing those things. Think about it. Would your spouse be frustrated with you if you started to produce more love, more gentleness, more faithfulness, more self-control? Would your boss be more frustrated with you if you produce those kind of things? Would your commanding officer go, you are far too calm. You are far too encouraging. What is wrong with you right now? Of course not. That's what Paul is saying. You want to produce good fruit? This is the fruit that comes from a relationship that's entwined and connected with Jesus. 
over the next few weeks we're going to be unpacking each of these fruits but as i've been studying them i feel like there's a couple truths that we can see about them and we're going to be unpacking them over the next few weeks but the first one is this love and joy are virtues that we are promised peace patience kindness are virtues that we pursue goodness and faithfulness are virtues that we become and gentleness and self-control are virtues that we reflect each week we're going to be unpacking what that looks like and what that means but the first one today is that love and joy are virtues that we are promised virtues that we are promised let's look at the words of paul once again as we navigate that word love he says these words in romans 8 if you ever need to be encouraged if you ever need the lord to like speak into your life and help you know how he feels about you read romans 8 31 through 39 like we're about to it's it's so good here we go verse 31 so what does all this mean if god has determined to stand with us tell me who then could ever stand against us for god has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure the gift of his son and since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. We're reading too many verses today that have too much meat on the bones, and I really wish I can unpack all of it for you. But I need you to see that. And since God freely offered Jesus up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give why if god sacrificed jesus why would he go through that pain why would he offer his son as the ultimate sacrifice for us and why would he do that and then withhold from us the good things he's had planned all along why why would he make the ultimate sacrifice but then make your life be awful on the other side that's not what he planned that's not what he's doing he has great things in store for you i gotta move on again verse 33 who then would dare to accuse those whom god has chosen and his love to be his who god himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them not guilty so who then is left to condemn us certainly not jesus the anointed one for he gave his life for us, and even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Verse 35, who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Please don't miss that. For nothing in this universe, nothing has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are all unable to come between us and heaven's love. Verse 37, yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything stay with me verse 38 so now i live with the confidence now i live with the confidence 
that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love, love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Come on, man. If you don't feel better about yourself, I don't know what to tell you. God is saying there is nothing. There is nothing. No situation, no circumstance, no past mistake, no future problem. There is nothing that will separate you from his love. That should do something for you today. Just take a second Ooh. the weight of God's love for you is epic. I love how Paul unpacks this, how he goes down. Who can condemn us? Who can accuse us? Who can separate us? Who could divorce us from God's love? Nothing and no one. He says, guys, God's love triumphs over all. So look at this challenge because it's so important for you to wrap your head around. How differently would you live your life if you were fully convinced that God loves you? Well, I mean, I believe God loves you. No, 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 no. How differently would you live your life if you were fully convinced that God loves you like those words in those verses? How differently would your life look? Would you, would you take advantage of it and sin even more? Well, I mean, if nothing can separate me, then I might as well just do whatever I want. God's always going to love me, right? Like, like a husband that has a really trusting wife, should he then take advantage of that and do a bunch of stupid things? No, of course not. But some of you, you struggle with that. It's like, well, I mean, I can always come back to God. Well, yeah, but Why? Why would you live your life in that way, taking advantage of a love so great? How would you respond? How would you live your life differently? Would you, would you trust him implicitly in the dark days? If you were fully convinced that God loved you, how would you respond in those dark days? Would you trust him more? If you were fully convinced, man, even in, in this challenging season, even in the dark days, even in these moments where I feel overwhelmed. You know what? I go back to those verses and I know that nothing can separate me from God's love. And if he loves me, then he will show up for me. If he loves me, then he will provide for me. If he loves me, then he will help me out, right? How differently would you live your life if you were fully convinced? Would you step out in faith more? Would you, would you take that leap of faith? Would you take that step of faith? Would you, would you do something a little bit more courageous if you knew that God loved you and he was with you? Would you keep it a secret or would you share it with people that you know? If you were fully convinced that God loves you the way that we just read, would you keep that to yourself? 
I mean, listen, we, we go to a restaurant and we eat a good taco. We get some good risotto. We get a pasta that we haven't had in a long time and we can't shut up. I mean, we're like, you've got to go to this place. This place is amazing. But when it comes to this kind of love from God, far too often we're, we're silent. And I wonder if we're silent because we're not fully convinced that God loves us the way he says he does. Maybe it's been your experiences, the way that you've walked through life or the pain that you've gone through or the current struggle or, or maybe just your understanding of a God, whatever it is. I think if we were fully convinced that God loves us this way, there's no way we could keep it to ourselves. There's no way we would be silent about these things. And one last challenge. If you were fully convinced that God loved you the way that he says he does, would you live your life with so much judgment of others? Or would you learn to love them more like God loves you? If you were fully convinced that God loves people like that, could we really, especially those of us who call us Jesus followers, could we really be that hateful to people if we knew and were fully convinced that God loves them and loves us the way that he says he does? I don't, I don't think we could. I don't think we could justify the way we treat other people if we were fully convinced of God's love. Look at this truth. When we fully embrace God's reckless love, we won't be able to love reluctantly. We won't be able to love people. Just a little. No, God doesn't go, well, I'm going to love you just a little bit and see how you hold up with that. And then I'm going to love you a little bit more. And then a little bit. I mean, what kind of relationship would that be? Could you imagine that in a dating scenario? Hey, babe, I, I think I'm falling in love with you. Well, I love you like 10%. And let's see how you handle that 10%. No, God goes, I'm 200%. Here's all the love. Here is everything. And if we understood that, if we leaned into that, if we felt that, I don't think we could love and treat people so reluctantly if we understood his reckless love. So have you truly bought into God's love? Have you fully received it? Have you leaned into that? Are you fully convinced? Are you unshakably sure that God loves you? And if so, and what do you do with that love? Now, what about joy? Joy may be one of the most confusing, most complicated things to understand. Even when you read the Bible, joy is one of those that we're like, we, we assume that it's the same thing as happiness, but we know it's not the same thing because it's two different words. But what is joy? And as we read the Bible, it, it gets actually a little bit more confusing until you unpack it. All the way, when we look at the words of James in one chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, well, okay, hold on. So joy equals troubles and suffering. What? Oh, it gets, it gets a little more confusing. Than the words of Jesus, John 15, 10 through 11. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So joy comes from obedience. So trials and suffering and, and obedience. Okay, this is... Uh, what? are we talking about? First Peter 1, 8 through 9. You love him even though you have never seen him. Talking about Jesus. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Another translation talks about him being our future hope. So joy equals salvation. It equals our future hope. Danny, help me understand what what is joy? Because now you've confused me even more what it is. And honestly, it's it's really difficult to explain. And the best way that I, I know how to say it is this. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a foundation. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness is something that's external. It's pleasurable, good or bad, right? There, there could be either one of those. Happiness is connected to a situation, right? It's connected to a moment. It's connected to a good day. It's connected to a happy memory. It's connected to something that's tangible. It's, it's right in front of us. I can, can we just be real? Happiness, happiness can be found with or without Jesus. There are some people who are as far from God that have moments of happiness. There's, they have moments. Now, do they live in that bliss? Of course not. Do we, we look at Hollywood and we look at all these people who their lives look like it's, it's glamorous, it's amazing, and we see all of the addictions that come with that on the dark side of uh, it's just it's a brutal experience but it looks so happy but yes you you can find some measure of happiness without Jesus but we're, that's very very different than joy because happiness is temporary joy on the other hand it's internal it's unshakable it's connected to something bigger than ourselves. It's connected to something far greater than a moment. And it's directly connected to Jesus. It's directly connected to the hope of our eternity. It's directly connected to our relationship with God. You cannot have joy without Jesus. You just can't. It's not going to last. I, I know for some of you, you're still trying to figure out whether you believe all this, and that's totally okay. I'm just giving you a guarantee. You will not find joy that's lasting, that's eternal, that's connected to something bigger without Jesus. Alexander McLaren says this, to pursue joy is to lose it. 
The only way to get it is to follow steadily the path of duty. It's not something that you discover on a good day. It's something that you hold on to regardless of what's happening around you. Joy is something that's unshakable. That's why what James was saying, that's why in trials and troubles and struggles, we can count it all joy because we know that we have an eternal Savior who is there to rescue us. We don't have to live in that trial, in that pain, in that struggle because we have a hope in our Savior. It's why we find joy in obedience and sharing God's love. It's, it's why Jesus says you'll find this inexpressible, this overwhelming joy when you obey, not because you're just being a rule follower, because Lord knows rule followers can get on our nerves, right? It's not about following the rules. When you obey God's commands, when you obey with what he's saying, it gives you access to something that you could not find on your own. It's powerful, it's tangible. And so it's important for us to understand our obedience is not because we're trying to follow a checklist. Our obedience is because it connects us with our purpose. Think about it this way. Have you ever been having a really, really bad day and you have an opportunity to help somebody? Maybe you, somebody forgot their, their wallet and you pay for their drink at Starbucks and you're having a bad morning. You're like, hey, don't worry about it. I, I got it. I'll take care of you. Or you help somebody on the side of the freeway that their tire blew out and you go and you help change it. Even though you're in a bad financial situation, you can still go and help. Isn't there something deep within you that's impacted when you serve people even though you're not in a good place? Doesn't that change something within you? That is speaking to joy. It's deep. It's impactful. It's change. It's not based on the happiness of a moment. It's based on your connection to something bigger. Joy is holding tight to that future hope even when we have present struggle. Joy is foundational. Joy is something we can build our lives on, but joy is also something promised to us by our Savior. Joy is promised to us in our relationship with God. So here's your challenge today as we get ready to wrap up. Are you living as if you know God promises you love and joy? Are you living in a way that bears that fruit? Because the fruit of your life would look completely different when you buy in fully to the fact that, wait a minute, God promises me his love and God promises me his joy in relationship with him. How different would the fruit that you bear look if you really bought into that, you really leaned into that? Or are you just seeking happiness? Are you just seeking the, the thrill of the moment, the feeling of the moment? Are you pursuing happiness in place of joy? Are you trying to find peace and purpose and you're, you're trying to find all of these things and not understanding that you're promised God's love and God's joy when you are in relationship with Him? I wanna give you three super quick things as we wrap up today. Three ways to experience God's love and His joy. The first one is this. Take one step towards your heavenly Father. You want to find love? 
You want to lean into joy? Take one step closer to your Heavenly Father. Just one step. One conversation. One prayer. One reading of His Word. One, one ten-minute quiet time just set aside for you to go, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want to take one step closer to you today. Take one step closer. The second thing is this, enjoy the relationship rather than a religion. Guys, if you go into this this following Jesus thing and you just think it's all about the rules and the regulations, you've missed the point. You're invited into a marriage. You're invited into a relationship, a relationship where there's, there's a conversation, there's a connection, there's a love, there's a passion. It's living. That's what you're invited into. Religion is dead. It's cold. It's rules and regu- regulations. It's tasks. It's, it's do, 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 follow these, check that one off, check. That's cold and uninviting. That's why Jesus came to the blend and he goes, hey, hey, I'm not here about the religious stuff. I'm here about the relationship. I am here to bridge the gap between you and God. That's what Jesus's purpose was for us. And the last one is this, bring someone with you. Bring someone with you. Guys, if you've experienced God's love, if you feel, even though it may feel momentarily for you because you're not really leaning into it and you're not paying attention to it, when you receive his love and his joy, we can't keep that to ourselves. You have the responsibility to bring someone with you. Bring someone along with you. Help someone else connect with Jesus. Even if it just means having coffee, even if it means just saying, hey, let's let's meet up and let's let's just talk. See, how are you doing? What's going on on the inside? How's the health of your tree? What's the, the byproduct of your life? Let's just talk. How are you doing? And that conversation will lead to a place for you to share God's love and spread his joy. You want to find his love. You want to find his joy. You want to lean into those promises. Take a step closer to him. Embrace the relationship and then bring someone with you. Next week, we're going to be talking about pursuing peace, patience, and kindness. And I'm stoked about it because two of my favorite women in the world are going to be sharing with you, my wife and my mom. I cannot wait for you to hear that message, and I hope that you have an incredible week. But let's pray together as we wrap up today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this challenge. Thank you for these fruits. And and as we wrap up today, Jesus, I pray that you would just help us to recognize and see what the byproduct of our fruit is, what the byproduct of our life, the byproduct of what's going on inside our hearts, God. As we examine our fruit, I pray that you would give us clarity and courage to be honest with ourselves and honest with others. Jesus, that as we dig into these things, I pray that today more than ever, we would lean into the promise of your love and the promise of your joy. 
that we would allow the truth of those things, the magnitude of those things, to change the way we live our lives, that it would change our fruits because that, that kind of love and that impactful joy should change the health of our lives, the health of our hearts, of our souls, of our minds, our spirits God we pray today that you would just penetrate our heart with your love and with your joy and that we lean into that like never before we love you and we pray all of this in your name Jesus amen we hope that you enjoyed the message today we would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you if you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.